0: UMass had a massive home and home with UNH and they came home with four points when they really should have gotten all six. We're gonna try to make sense out of all of it. And we're probably gonna say some pretty mean things about Hockey East, so let's go. <laughs> McCart, what time is gone! High character. Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode 115 of High Character, presented by Homefield Apparel. UMass had a big time series, home and home against New Hampshire, and I guess you'd call it a split. They got four points, nice solid regulation win on Friday, and then a whole lot of a lot of BS on Saturday. Uh They come away with an overtime loss. They get one point, so it's four points on the weekend. We'll we'll have our rant that I'm sure a lot of you guys are expecting towards. The The second half, once we recap the second game, there was some good things to talk about. So um, that is nice at least, but we'll get into all of it as we go along here. My name is Cameron. Once again, I am joined by my good buddy, Evan. Evan, I know what your answer is going to be, but uh, how you doing today? I
1: feel robbed, Cameron. Mm-hmm. Like, getting to the point
0: where, like, we're out
1: here going to away games. You know, we we spend usually about two hours worth of travel time just to go to one game. And that's one way, mind you. So it's really like four hours. Regardless of what we do to try and go to the games, the money that we spend, it seems like sometimes there are games where it just doesn't mean anything because of the things that happen during these games. Like, like I said, you know, you, you said it before, like we should keep the rants to to a minimum for now. We'll talk about it later. So I'll probably hold off then. But I'd say right now I'm feeling pretty robbed of a of a good experience, at least on the Saturday game.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Um Friday was stressful. We came away with a nice win, and then obviously Saturday we'll get into. uh, We had not a skirmish, but just kind of an incident with a bunch of opposing UNH fans that we'll get into as well, Um, something that had not happened to us at any game in the, I think, almost 200 now that we've gone to. So that was pretty interesting. We'll get into a little story time on that later. Uh, Before we get too far into it, uh, we got to talk about home field apparel. Uh, they are True. a premium collegiate apparel company they have designs for over 150 schools UMass is one of them and they have a lot of UMass designs they had a lot of UMass designs they came out with a brand new UMass hockey line uh, we were promoting the hell out of it you, you've probably seen it and if you haven't you really got to go check it out um, some really cool throwback designs cursive view the the new hockey one that I love is the the Minuteman standing on a hockey puck with minutemen ice hockey in a circle around it i think that one's awesome so a lot of cool stuff to check out and we've been loving it wearing it to games getting a lot of compliments i saw a few of the hoodies at unh actually so yeah uh, the words getting around but uh it's it's real good stuff i think you guys want to check this out for sure i feel like if you guys like
1: follow like the arena reviews that we do and you guys hear like anything that i say i feel like i'm more of a guy that's built around like comfort and like the like the amount of like You know kind of like the experience like at like an arena kind of how i feel about home field apparel like there's stuff wicked comfortable and i feel like i've said that before but like i usually will start like i love the design but i feel like the t-shirts and stuff are actually so like nice and like soft that i usually wear them underneath my jerseys like when i go to games Mm -hmm. now because i'm usually wearing a jersey whenever i go like that's like my like that's just what i wear that's kind of my thing like my style Mm But, like, I hate when I just wear, like, a straight-up jersey with nothing underneath it because it's always so, like, super scratchy. If I put something from home field underneath, like, the hoodie. Like, usually I'll rock a hoodie if I'm trying to stay warm underneath. I'll put the hoodie underneath, nice and toasty, nice and warm, but super comfy, you know, inside as well. Throw the jersey right over it. I'm good to go. That was basically what I was doing both weekends and worked like a charm. So, you guys know me, loving, loving their stuff.
0: Yeah, it's really awesome, and uh, it might be a good outfit to wear when uh, we head into the TD Garden to go to war with uh, not only our opponent but the conference coming up. Yeah, seriously. um, Yeah, check out homefieldapparel.com. Use our code PUCK10. That's P-U-C-K-10. We'll get you 10% off on your first UMass order. It'll really help us out as much as that code gets used. So we'd really appreciate that. You're going to really appreciate it once you get your home field apparel. Um, Yeah, just real quality stuff. You'll see us wearing it around the next couple weeks as well so go check it out yes sir yeah uh big big series coming in umass unh very similar places in the pairwise rankings i think coming in umass was 15th in unh was 17th so uh both teams right on the bubble umass one spot out so these games meant a, a ton a lot of pressure going in um we could feel it i know the two me and you were were real stressed before Game one on Friday. That was a that was a big one to get. But going into that one, um, some a little bit of a shakeup, uh, I would say in terms of the lines. We see Christian Sanda. He's in, in at the extra skater. So we normally have a defenseman there. Christian Sanda slid in. Uh, we learned on Friday that Owen Murray is out with an injury. We had no idea about that. We have still have no idea of to what extent he's injured, but uh, McDermott and Aaron Bollinger were on the third line defense. Uh, other than that, looked pretty normal. Uh, Michael Cameron was back up into the the second line, uh, left wing spot. Taylor McCarr bumped to the fourth line. Liam Gorman in that center, but uh, not too much different. That Owen Murray injury, we have no idea whether to be a uh, very concerned or not. But that was uh, a pretty notable absence from this series.
1: Yeah, obviously wishing Murray the best, Hope he gets a nice speedy recovery from whatever the hell's ailing him right now. Um, kind of an unfortunate, you know you know miss i guess just like from the overall lineup but i feel like realistically if he wasn't injured i feel like we still would have rolled with an extra forward just because like i noticed from from both games that i watched we were super aggressive on the forecheck like uh, like concerningly so <laughs> like we were just mm. like it seemed like we always would have like almost two forwards behind the net trying to pressure the defenseman behind the net whenever humanly possible and it worked out a ton i feel like over both games like U N H is kind of a team where their their defensemen are kind of more defensively inclined. They don't really have puck moving defensemen. You know the the extent of their you know defensemen's puck moving abilities is just get it up ice as quick as possible and let the forwards take care of business. Like they are not very skilled with the puck, and I feel like that showed this weekend. Like we would always have people pounding them from the moment that they touch the puck, and I feel like it created a ton of turnovers for us, especially in that second game at U N H. Like. That first period and partway through the second period, I feel like because we were so aggressive on that four check, it really just helped us kind of hem them in their own zone and keep producing a lot of pressure and opportunities. You're not going to do that if your guys aren't, you know, like if your forward core isn't fresh. You got to have fresh legs coming out on the ice all the time. And I feel like having an extra forward available kind of just allows you to just always have another, another, you know, pair of skates out there that's ready to go, ready to give 110% on every shift. You know, they're not gonna have to worry about this guy getting, you know, you know, tired or hurt or whatever in the middle of a game. You're always gonna have someone there to to be able to provide pressure. And I feel like that was kind of one of the main game plans. So really hope that Murray's gonna be good to go, but I don't think he was gonna play this weekend regardless. I just feel like with the overall game plan that we implemented.
0: Yeah, yeah, it makes sense when you when you put it like that and seeing how these two games played out in hindsight. All right. So getting into this game, first period, UMass came out guns blazing, obviously. Obviously, they played very well against BC. Uh, I would say they played up to number one team in the country. They were the better team for large stretches of that series. So really good to see them come out firing on all cylinders here. They're able to draw two penalties really quickly in the first half of this period. Uh, the first one just getting a ton of shots off. The puck was flying around. UMass is able to get really close to the net, like all their guys crowding around, just ripping shot after shot. Uh, there was one point where Idar Suniev thought he scored. Um, I think most people in the building thought he scored. He uh he he took a shot from between the two face-off circles. Sounded like made the classic sound of hitting the back of the net and flew out. Uh, they did take a look at it. It's it appeared that it hit the right post and then kind of slid right back under the goalies pads. So uh wasn't wasn't to be very weird. I think everybody that was watching thought it went went in, the goal horn went off. Sooniev went towards the bench and got on one knee to Selly. So a little rough look there, but uh, yeah, that goal doesn't count immediately. The next power play boys are buzzing again. Uh, same thing, getting a ton of shots. And as soon as that one expires, Ninasari finds himself at the right face off dot with the puck. Um, he, he lines up a one timer and he scores finally to break through. You give you mass a one, nothing lead early in the first.
1: Talk about the pass from Laudy on that goal, by the mm-hmm. way, like to be, I think he threaded it through like two different, uh, UNH defensemen just to freaking find Samuli And like, I think it was like a one knee, like little clapper, you know what mm-hmm. I mean? Like he, he was getting down low and, you know, again, not a guy that's really known for his offensive prowess, but I don't, I don't actually have the stats in front of me. Did he double his goal total for the entire season? I think in this one series. Yeah, I did, think he did. I think he did. Cause spoiler alert, he ends up getting another one in this game. But I mean, for, for a guy that, you know, we're always harping on him in the best way possible about being kind of a defensive defenseman and blocking shots, you know, playing strong, playing tough. This guy's showing a little bit of finesse and some goal-scoring ability, too. Not to the same extent as a guy like, you know, Muser or Suniev, but in his own special way, he's he's definitely showing off some offense. So really, really great to see that, for sure.
0: It was, it was great to see, and the way UMass is playing was great to see. They played well enough in this first period to score more than they did. I think Ryan Ufko rang the post uh, early in the first. Somebody else did as well. So a lot of really high-quality chances. And then uh, later on in the first period, UMass still buzzing. Um, we see another shot from the from the blue line from Samuli. Uh, Taylor tips it home. It actually goes in. Uh, it looked pretty high from first look. They actually, uh, UNH challenges this one, and it seems like uh, it was a high stick. It was pretty conclusive. Uh, it was kind of up near Taylor's eyes, the tip in, and it goes home. So uh, that goal gets taken back. Still one nothing as we go into the second period and then uh, UNH was able to claw back a little bit. They got more of the chances here near the start of the second. They find themselves, uh, it was J.P. Turner behind the net. I was really impressed with the entire series he had. Um, really good solo effort of shielding the puck, fighting through a couple guys. He's able to get it all the way to the front of the net and just pass a little cross crease to Robert Cronin, who taps it home to get to tie the game at one. Didn't seem like this game should be tied at that point, but Uh, I guess that's kind of been the case for a lot of this season, honestly. Yeah,
1: I mean, it's just I feel like a lot of goals that we that we get against us just totally seem to come against like the grain of play. You know Mm -hmm. what I mean? Like, it seems like we're fully in the driver's seat. We're controlling the pace of the play. We're getting a lot of zone time, a lot of shots to the net. It seems like I don't know if it's a case of just like we're kind of getting I don't want to say like, you know, lazy, but just like maybe a bit like unfocused we're just like, you know, we feel like we're dominating so much and we're feeling like we're just playing so well. All it takes is just kind of that one little mental lapse for them to break through, and then they do. But it seems like that's just kind of been the way that we get scored on very, very, you know, just recently. I feel like, you know, it might just be recency bias talking, but it's just happened a lot, especially so in this series. I mean, we're going to talk about in the second game as well. A lot of goals just seem to come against, you know, our kind of better judgment. It just seems like we're always in the lead and just, focusing on the things that we need to do to win. And then it comes back and bites us in the ass. So, and I feel like this was a, a perfect example of that. Like we just got to kind of clean up on front of the net a little bit better. And I feel like that would have uh, definitely prevented this goal because the pass was going like two miles an hour. You know what yeah. I mean? I feel like everybody was seeing it and then just an easy little tap in. So really unfortunate to have that get scored against us.
0: Yeah, really, really good singular effort there though by, uh, yeah. by the, uh, the, the assist guy on that one though. So yeah, I was pretty Turner. impressed with Turner, yeah um after this and stretching back towards the end of the first period UMass had committed five penalties in a row um I'll, I'll let you talk on them a little bit I know I thought a few of them might have been soft it was a a roughing call by Jack Musa at the end of the first uh which I didn't really see anything an interference from Loudon back an elbowing from Lucas Mercury he actually had the puck and went for a reverse hit um he gets called for the elbow on it Slashing by Scott Morrow, I thought that I thought that guy went down very easy. I mean, spoiler alert: I don't know how much we'll get into it, but uh, UConn or not UConn, UNH, uh, I think they were flopping like crazy in this series from yeah. from the two games that we watched. But then the last one, Christian Sanda, uh a stick lift away from the play, the guy's stick goes twenty feet in the air, through the roof. It if it was at Lawler, yeah. uh, but a lot of penalties for UMass, pretty undisciplined. I'm I'm curious to hear your thoughts on that period. I mean,
1: I, I have thoughts on the Merck's elbow and then both of the later slashing calls. So, I mean, the Merck's elbow, this is going to sound crazy. You guys are probably expecting to rip it in the refs here. I actually agree with it. That's, that might sound insane. Like, pigs are flying right now. You guys are like, all right, who are you and what have you done with Evans? But realistically, I mean, Merckx, I love the way that he plays physically, right? You know, like, he's a big boy and he plays like a big boy he was loading up for that reverse hit for about three or four seconds beforehand. Like he was just waiting for the guy to come at him. Like he was like goading him on. He hit him in what seemed like a pretty decent and clean way. I think that they challenged that for head contact after the fact, and they didn't find
0: anything. I don't think that's, he how lost, that's how they lost their challenge in this game too, yeah. which will be notable later.
1: Yeah. So I, I think they, you know, they dropped the ball on that challenge and rightfully so, because I don't think he actually hit him in the head. But the issue that I have with the hit, like Mertz I don't even think hit him with the elbow but he followed through with the elbow you know what I mean like I don't think he made contact with it but like the way that he kind of like I know you guys can't see on like a video here but like he basically like threw his arm up after he hit the reverse hit if you're not selling an elbow there you know what I mean like that's the way you do it like even Mm -hmm. if you don't hit him you got to make it look like you're not trying to elbow him you know what I mean regardless of what you actually did so I think that was, you know, I think Mercury could have done a little bit of a better sell job there, realistically, even if he didn't actually elbow the guy. But it is what it is. You know, it looked bad, so I can see why they called it. So that's why I don't really have an issue with it. And the two slashes, though, all right, real real Evans coming back here because I hated these calls. (laughs) Like, the Scott Morrow slash, if I'm remembering correctly, it was away from the play, and it was just, like, a random little, like... You kind of you, like you hack at somebody's stick, like the stick didn't break or nothing. I don't even think I think the guy might have fell down, which is where the he flop did. comes in. Yeah, uh, it, it was on a rush.
0: That is. Yeah, happened. that's it's what I remember. Yeah.
1: Scotty was like kind of like backtracking, like backchecking on it basically, and like just kind of bumped the guy and he just flops down. Like I figured, if anything, they would have called interference and that would have been questionable at best. But for them to call a slash, I'm like, huh? <laughs> like what, what's going on here? Mm-hmm. So I, I thought it was definitely a little questionable. It feels like there was almost no contact in the play. And then the Sanda one like I'll, I'll i'll give i'll give the hockey East refs credit right this is the one time that i think i've ever seen them call something consistently <laughs> like yeah. they consistently call these like you know quote unquote slashes where it's realistically just a stick lift and the guy just lets go of the stick and it goes flying into the air up literally into orbit i probably would confuse these sticks with the international space station if i didn't know better but <laughs> You you gotta have a better grip on your twig. You know what I mean? Like, who's to stop the UMass players from just literally holding their sticks with the lightest grip known to man? And any time that a stick lift happens, it's just gonna go flying up into the air. Like, we would be getting freaking ten penalty draws a game. Let's start doing that. You know what? Yeah. I mean? Let's break our guys' wrists on the on the bench and just say, hey, don't hold on to your stick anymore. Let it go over the freaking glass and maybe hit somebody. <laughs> like, hey, we're gonna get we're gonna get a two minute minor out of it. So why not? like it's a joke like i i agree with the consistency of the call but i don't agree with the call itself it shouldn't be called like because it's so easy i feel like to manipulate in your favor just by literally not holding your stick like a normal functioning human hockey player which i think i think it's just absolutely atrocious so that's those are my ideas on those calls i'm not a ref you guys know me i'm thinking at this point i might start learning how to i might learn how to ice skate and freaking go to ref school cuz from what I was hearing from other people, you know, talking to them over the past couple of days, because other people are complaining about these reps just as much as we are. I've heard that the criteria to become a Hockey East referee is extremely lenient. Mm-hmm. So I'm thinking that I could probably work my way up through the ranks in about a year or two. And you guys <laughs> might see me out there with a high character jersey, repping some games pretty darn quickly if I actually put my mind to it, because... From what I could hear, the, the the process for becoming a hockey's credentialed referee is an absolute joke, and I think we're starting to see it on the ice quite a bit now.
0: Yeah, the uh, the Moro one was kind of infuriating because yeah, he he puts the stick in front. You see that a hundred times a game, and the guy goes down, clutches his stomach. He didn't even get hit hard. Uh, it kind of plays into my UNH flopping all series uh, thoughts. And then yeah, um, the Sanda slashing that's pretty consistently called, but I'm totally with you. I very much disagree with that one being called. You can be holding the stick however you want. If it goes up, it's it's penalty. I really disagree with that. But uh, UMass Penalty Kill does a great job. They they do a great job limiting chances yeah. um, and killing these penalties. So UNH 0 for 5 on the power play in this game, which was great to see. Later on in the second period, um, we see another tip-in opportunity. Uh, kind of a play that seemed like it started from nothing. Uh, kind of an unexpected chance. But Michael Cameron finds himself in front of the net the a shot gets tossed on and he tips one home past the goalie to make it two to one but unh challenges the play yet again they don't have their challenge so if they get this call wrong they would have gone on to the penalty kill UMass would have gotten the power play out of it so um big time challenge for them uh taking a look at the replays there was only one angle that had anything on this play because it happened so fast um and It was an overhead view that I thought was very inconclusive inconclusive at best uh, because especially because Michael Cameron's crouching down, they come out of the out of the box and say that it's no goal. They overturn the goal call on the ice. Uh, I think this is the play that has me the most upset from this game. Yeah, yeah. Uh, because there was nothing for them to to overturn this call off of. I'm dumbfounded how they possibly could have overturned it.
1: Well, no, you know what it was, and it was the thing that I'm surprised you haven't mentioned yet. It. it was the fact that the UNA goalie was going ballistic at the refs, yeah. basically trying to tell them like, "Hey, review this on our behalf. Like, don't even bother trying to have a coach's challenge." He was like, "Go into the box right now and check this out." And the fact that, I mean. I don't actually know, like, I don't know if they have like their own like set of cameras or whatever, like to look at stuff at. Like again, I'm kind of giving them the benefit of the doubt here because if it literally was just that overhead view, that's that's like irreparable. You know, like I'm that pretty, is I'm like, pretty
0: positive they have what we see on the on the stream. Cause you so, can kind of see them scrubbing through the the play.
1: Yeah. I mean, if that's the case, dude, that's a friggin' joke. Like to be fair, right. I, I didn't have a very good view of it live because I was exiled to the top row because I was, I was feeling a little bit under the weather that day. So I didn't really have like the best, like eye level view. You know what I mean? Like I was seeing yep. it from essentially what was an overhead view. <laughs> so a little bit, a little bit tough on my part. I wasn't really able to see the best there, but yeah, I mean, I don't understand how you can have a fair judgment, you know, with a, with a depth perception, right. From an mm-hmm. overhead view. I don't understand, like, when, when you know, your are kind of, I'm trying to find the word here, like, the evidence that you need in order to make a determination for a goal to be overturned needs to be clear, concise, like, like perfect evidence that it is overturnable, you know what I mean? Yep. Without a shadow of a doubt. If there is even a remote possibility that that angle might give you wrong information, you're supposed to just completely... Wipe it away and say sorry. It's inconclusive. We got to stick with the call that we gave on the ice. Yep. But yet, an overhead view of a for something where you would need a side profile. You know what I mean <laughs> to see where the crossbar is and where the puck is and where the stick is where everything makes contact. I I don't know, man. <laughs> like I don't know what they're seeing. And this is the part that I have an issue with, which you know and I'll get into at the end when we do our whole rant, as we're gonna call it. Like there needs to be some sort of accountability and some sort of, you know, not, not accountability, but like transparency, you know what I mean? Like, I, I feel like you got to mic the refs up or something and just be like, this is why we made the call. Like these guys are way too protected. They're just yeah. allowed to make whatever determination they want. And it's just, all right, that's it. Like we can't even see what their thought process is. If there even is one, it sounds like they're just throwing shit up out of midair. You know what I mean? Like, yep. They're just coming up with it. So I don't know, man. I sound like a salty weirdo. And you know what? Maybe I am. You guys are still listening anyway, so I don't really give a shit. But like, it's, it's absolutely insane that this has happened two weeks in a row and we have nothing to show for it. We all we've gotten is apologies and we're not even getting them. You know what I mean? Like it's apparently going to the coaching staff and that means absolutely nothing in the grand scheme of things. It's not giving us pairwise points. It's not giving us points in the hockey schedule. It's not giving us anything. It's just empty words and empty promises that will never get fulfilled. So I think it's a joke. I hate hockey. The refs suck. Everything sucks.
0: <laughs> well, <laughs> more, on, more on that later. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, that one gets called back. And to this point, you take a look at the score sheet. Um, it's two goals called back after replays against UMass. One goal. Uh, that one of them was probably, probably right. What's that? So one
1: of them is probably right. One of them was probably the right call. Yep.
0: Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, two goals taken away. Uh, one that was sent to review that wasn't called a goal, rightfully, obviously, and then five UMass penalties to U- UNH's two. So you look at that after the weekend that we had against Boston College, and it's, it's rough. Fans were, were not happy in the building. The uh, building got really loud for those refs, and I think rightfully so at this point. But carry on. The game's still 1-1. to you got a game to try to win. Right near the end of the second period, we see a really fortunate break for UMass. The ice kind of looked pretty bad all night. A lot of guys slipping, um, puck bouncing like it has for the last few weeks at Mullins. Maybe that could be another conversation later on. But uh, we see UMass kind of break out on a two-on-two the UNH defender completely slips and falls. It looks like yeah. he's slipping on a banana peel If yeah. you <laughs> walk the replay back. He's yeah. he's falling in slow motion. His arms are going in windmills and onto the side of him. It's a pretty funny visual, um, but it gives UMass a two-on-one. Cole O'Hara makes a great pat- pass to Jack Musa. Uh, he does it one time, and he takes it forehand to backhand, completely fools the goalie, and there's an open net. And UMass finally, finally takes the lead two-to-one on a goal that you couldn't call back that one felt real good at the end of the second.
1: I couldn't give a crap less about how like the goal kind of came to be with like, you know, the the, the fortunate flip and all uh, that. What what I like here is I've been, I feel like I've been kind of bringing up the term like killer instinct for a while, and I feel like a lot of people haven't really been showing that on the team at times. I feel like we kind of just like snatched at our chances and just, you know, put the puck on the net any means you know, any means necessary. This was a perfect example where, and I feel like this happened in the second game at UNH. Like we could have had way more goals if we took our chances mm-hmm. better in the second game. In this first game here, it could it could have been the easiest thing of all time. If Jack Musa just took that when he first seen the puck right in front of him. He could have just tapped it on net and seen what happened. He had the wherewithal to realize that he had time and space in front. He controlled the puck, went to the backhand, and slid it in. Like he literally waited to the last possible second to say, "I have a hundred percent chance of scoring right here." He, he, he disregarded the 50 50 that he had before, where he could have just freaking tapped the one timer on net and just seen if it got through the goalie. He took a perfect chance, had that killer instinct, and actually made a move on the goaltender on, I don't know, I don't know what to call it, like a semi breakaway. Like it feels like he didn't really have anybody around him. Mm-hmm. Like, but he was really in tight with the goalie, but he showed off his hands. He knew that he had the puck control ability and he used it to like perfection. Like that's what I need to see more out of this team. It feels like sometimes we'll get two-on-ones and the only thing that we do, pass it across, tap it on net, pray that it goes in. Mm-hmm. Nobody's out here making that extra move anymore. And I know that like I'm going to sound like a hypocrite because a couple months ago I was like, we need to get pucks on net. We got to just see if it goes in. I think we're past that point. We tried that. It's not working. We got to start making that extra move and make the goal look silly because that clearly worked on that play. We got to try it more because I was super happy with the way that that goal was taken by Musa.
0: Yeah, I, I completely agree. I love seeing that little extra extra move, and it clearly paid off. He had a ton of open net on the other side on the backhand, but big monkey off the back for UMass after this one. They go into the second intermission up one. Um, feels like it should have been a lot more the way that this game was going, but it's only one. Um, the third period comes along. UNH gave a decent effort. I think a lot of the play in this period was in the neutral zone. It wasn't a crazy amount of chances either way. Definitely more of an even look compared to umass's i want to say domination in the first period uh not a ton happens umass goes into into their turtle pretty early um just playing defense uh, crowding a bunch of guys right in front of rabble in front of the net uh less than two minutes to go unh's goalie is just leaving the net uh he's still skating i believe they don't have their sixth guy out samuli ninasari finds himself with the puck all the way at the other end almost near the goal line he fires one down ice to put it home. The empty netter, um, big, big sigh of relief after the way that this game has got uh, this game went. Made it three to one. UNH is able to to get a goal with two seconds left. It was a consolation a really, prize. Yeah, a really nice tip in from Marty Lavins, but it it doesn't matter at all. UMass gets the win three to two. They get the three points. This one was was quite the sweat. Um, I know my heart was was racing uh right up until this one ended felt felt really good to get the win get the three points absolutely massive dub to start the weekend
1: and the, the thing that i'm kind of you know really happy about which probably flies under the radar we actually got an empty net goal it seems like we don't yep. get those very often and it was the difference yeah yeah exactly i mean it's that's that's a really good point absolutely like that was effectively the game-winning goal so fair enough but yeah it just it seems like when we get, you know, when we get to that kind of like one and a half to two minutes of kind of crunch time with a one goal lead, we kind of show that propensity to turtle a little bit. Spoiler alert, kind of. Well,
0: I don't know. I'm not. I'm not going to say spoiler alert because
1: there's there's a lot more surrounding that goal in the second game. But
0: uh, we went. Feel, we went into that like ten minutes left in the third. Yeah. In the first game.
1: Exactly. Like it's just like it seems like sometimes though, like when we got that one goal lead, and especially when when the you know when the goalie gets pulled from the other team we kind of would hold the puck in our own corner. Like we play super conservative defense. We let travel kind of do his thing, you know, wait for face-offs, you know, don't try and clear the zone. This was the one time I feel like Samuli saw his chance and he took it and thank Christ that went in. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like it was, it was an accurate shot. It, it just kind of seemed like the stars were aligning for that kid that night. You know what I mean? Like he was, you know, I say kid, the kid's like freaking two years younger than me. Like <laughs> That's actually insane to say, but yeah, I mean, just, Absolutely great shot from him, you know. Like I said, I think he doubled his goal total from you know from the season alone just from that one game. So absolutely huge out of him. Very happy to see him succeed, and, and ended up being the difference maker, like you said. So
0: really, really happy. Yeah, really happy, especially getting three points, the full three. Uh, yeah. We came in into this game tied with UNH in the hockey standings, so it was huge. Uh, I have a quote from Carvey. Spoiler alert: This won't be the the most interesting Carvey quote of the episode. You'll have to wait for that one. But he said, "That's a big win." I really liked our first period. Then we took five penalties in a row. I thought that had a real effect on our group and took away momentum. Then we came into the third with the lead. And I really liked our third period, how we played to secure the victory. Michael Ravel continues to play really well. Our penalty kill was outstanding. And I really liked our power play in the first period. Although we didn't score on the power play, I thought our special teams were pretty good today. And yeah, I I think that's kind of the story of this game. The UMass uh, buzzing like we haven't seen in a while on the power play in that first period penalty kill. Um, was phenomenal with those 5 penalties in a row. I don't think they gave up any chances that I was really really worried about. They did a great job clearing pucks, so great special teams effort from this game for sure.
1: Yeah, bless up that penalty kill. Seriously, what was it 0 for 5? Yep. Like, well, I guess 5 for 5 the penalty kill was. So, yep. absolutely huge out of them. Like, it, you're 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 drastically reducing your chances of winning a hockey game regardless of if those penalties were warranted or not. You know what I mean? Like having five, you know, penalties to kill is definitely a detriment to your, to your chance of winning. So the fact that we able to fight through that, that is something that I feel like Carvey talks about a lot is fighting through adversity, you know, you know, again, whether it's warranted adversity or not, we've definitely been able to fight through for the most part. And I feel like this was a very, very good example of that. Super proud of the team. They end up getting the job done in a game that you know, sneakily was extremely important. I shouldn't like, and when I say sneakily, I mean, if you looked at the schedule, you know, before the season started, you didn't think this was going to be that big of a series, but it ended up being a really big series. So the fact that, you know, we got it done against, you know, an important opponent this time around, really, really great to see. You know, super happy to see.
0: Yep. And it has the potential to be a, a future playoff matchup, too. UMass, uh, New Hampshire, Ed Mullins. So keep an eye out for that. But um, high hopes going into game two on the road up in Dover, New Hampshire. Um, you mean the Durham, lineup, right? Durham, Do- Dover. says both on the signs. I don't know. Really? No, oh, I don't care. We're not going back there. Yeah, so. no,
1: screw that place. So, yeah, I don't know. You know what? Yeah, screw that. It's Dover, New Hampshire for all the intents and purposes. <laughs> I don't give a crap about what that place is called. That place sucks.
0: For real. But, yeah, going into this game, um, the lineup looks exactly the same except for one difference. Christian Sando was the extra skater in game one. Lucas Vanderboys makes his long-awaited yes. comeback. As the extra skater in game two, it's been a couple months now since we've seen him on the ice. He's been a big different difference maker in terms of face offs and kind of being that enforcer on the ice. So really, really happy to get him back,
1: yeah, no. I mean, genuinely, probably the most underrated like performer of the season, in my opinion. Like when we lost him, you know, I was sitting there looking at, you know, the line charts for that for, I think for the first game that he was out, and I was like, "Ah, oh, crap. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. We're missing you know it, you never really look at the fourth line when you when you look at a really good hockey team. they're kind of always like that overlooked group. you gotta figure man, they're one of the most important, like they gotta give you some key face off wins when you gotta give your star guys a rest, like they're out there you know banging bodies, grinding it out, making life hell for the opposing team so your star guys can kind of shine offensively. him being out, you know we we've talked about him before, he's a mean, nasty bastard, you know what I mean, so like to have that you know, kind of missing from your lineup where, you know, he's screwing with guys after the whistle, getting under their skin, you know, making big, hard hits, you know, and the thing about him, I feel like a lot of the times he's pretty clean. You know what I mean? Like he'll throw some big hits, but has he gotten a gameless conduct this season? I don't think he has. I'm trying to think right now. Yeah. I'm going to, I'm going to actually pull that up, you know, while you end up talking, you know, after I'm done with this, but yeah, super, super happy to see him back. I mean, he's been, Honestly, one of my favorite players this year. Like when I was hearing in the offseason, like the stuff that he was able to bring to the table at Bentley, I knew he was what this team was missing. You know what I mean? Like yep. he he's brought that type of mean and, you know, meanness and toughness that I feel like previous teams didn't really have. He kind of has that X factor. I'm actually looking at the stats right now. He has 20 penalty minutes. So it sounds like because it's not an odd number, he's probably good. It sounds like, if anything, he would have had 10 minor penalties throughout 22 games, I'm assuming. So. Yeah, he's probably fine. He's keeping it clean. He's doing his thing. So, like I said, couldn't have been more happy to see him back. One of my favorite players on this team, for sure.
0: Absolutely. And he, he didn't get a lot of ice time, but it was good to see him out there when he did. Um, we go into this game, first period. UMass comes out of the gates again, just buzzing like crazy. A um, lot of of amazing chances. Uh, I think I counted two crossbar hits in the first period. Um, we were We had cool seats right in front of the the net that UMass shot twice on. So we got to see those uh, crossbar ringers up close and personal, but none, neither of them went home. UMass still buzzing. Then right at the end of the period, two minutes left against the grain of play, we see UNH cycling the puck a little bit in their zone. They toss a shot on from the blue line, and it gets tipped home by J.P. Turner, uh, the guy that I was pretty impressed with in game one. He gets credit for the goal. So it's one nothing UNH going into the first intermission. Uh, Totally against the grain. I thought UMass was the much better team in this period, and they don't get what they deserve out of it.
1: Against the grain of play, where have we heard that before, Cameron? Like, yeah. I mean, it just seems like that's the friggin recur- like the recurring theme of this episode. Um, it sucks, dude. Like, I mean, we looked damn good. Like, we were just lying around the offensive zone, beating them down low. I mean, I was saying this, you know, earlier on in the episode. Just playing that super super aggressive four check, just mm-hmm. constantly hounding their defensemen, not letting them get comfortable. I I don't have the stats, obviously. I don't even know if you could look it up, but like I could tell off the top of my head at least three or four major offensive zone turnovers from their def- like from their defensemen, just yeah. just after you know, just coming at them. It's like it's like a soccer team like gagging Press, you know what I mean? Just constant just go, 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 just keep going at them, don't give them any space or time. And it was working like we just, you know, it's like, it's like how I talk about like Ryan Lauten back, right? Like just chicken with his head cut off. Mm-hmm. He, he gave the entire team his level of energy, you know what I mean? And they were just going with that exact same mentality. If we can play with that sort of mentality when appropriate, because I feel like there are definitely some teams that are just super skilled and they can break that, you know, break that down because they're mm-hmm. just faster and quicker and smarter, but it was clearly working against UNH and, the fact that we weren't able to capitalize on our chances, I mean, credit to, what was it, Helston, you know, the, the UNH yeah. goalie, he was making some big saves, you know what I mean? He was getting, you know, some big pressure early. We were trying to crowd the, the net front a ton, like me and you were talking about that during the game. We were going for tip attempts like you wouldn't believe. Obviously, it was working in the first game. It was just the refs didn't seem to agree, you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> but obviously, I mean, those net front tips are definitely, you know, effective, especially when a goalie's kind of on his game and he's stopping those, you know, quote unquote, normal shots where they're. You know, there's not really a lot of, you know, net front presence. But yeah, the fact that we didn't, you know, come out of this period with at least one goal. I mean, this dude should have been making out with the crossbar, you know, at the intermission. Like, he he should have been showing it some love. Like, it was insane the amount of, you know, just goals that were saved by that crossbar. It was, it was nuts. So yeah, super disappointed we didn't get the lead out of that. And the fact that we were going into that, you know, into that intermission with, you know, a one nothing deficit was just unfathomable to me.
0: Yeah. Yeah, it was the situation where if, if UMass continues that level of play, they'll come back and win this game for sure. Uh, start of the second period, I thought UNH came out pretty hot in the second. Seems seemed like they they got a plan figured out for how aggressive UMass was being on the four check. Um, they controlled play a little bit more here. And funnily enough, like about halfway through the period, UMass ends up on the power play. Um, power play looks pretty good. They're cycling the puck well. We see Sunia take a shot from the right faceoff dot a uh, perfect rebound finds the sick of Cole Har right out in front. He's able to just tap one home, make it one to one, and uh felt really good to get the um the weight off the back getting that first goal of this game.
1: and hey, that's my boy Cole right there. Like I, I have a buddy of mine who I know who ended up growing up with him uh as a as a kid, you know, in Ontario. And then just mm-hmm. the fact that like I picked I picked Cole to be like the I forget what, what do we call it? like the uh, like the most improved player. I know that yeah. I can't believe I was actually blanking on that, but yeah, I picked him for the for the most improved player. He really didn't show that in the first half of the season. I feel like he was kind of a bit not like lacking offensively, but just he he wasn't really you know getting what we all expected he could bring. You know what I mean? But I think in this game he was he was buzzing. I think he had a really really good goal right here. He ends up getting another later on in this game. So I mean absolutely a great performance out of him. I knew he was going to pick it up at some point and, you know, I feel like this is as good of a time as any for it to happen. So really, really happy with the team, you know, the way that the whole team was playing, but I I really did kind of want to see, you know, Cole pick it up over the course of the season. And it looks like it might be starting because when he's buzzing, I feel like he can definitely, you know, bring that kind of, you know, energy and skill set that can kind of elevate an entire line. Like, you know, he's, he's really solid with the puck. He can pass like you wouldn't believe. I think he had a fair number of assists last season. He he knows how to how to play with the puck, and it's just didn't really get it done so far this season. But I think he has a lot more to offer, and I think this might just only be the start for him, especially during a really really clutch time. You know, this late in the season, It'd be really yeah, great it would, to see him uh, figure it out
0: for sure. Would love to get even more production out of him down the stretch. That would be huge, especially uh, the team's not scoring a ton of goals lately. So if he could figure it out, um, that'd be amazing. End. Of the, that's the end of the second period. I thought UNH was a slightly better team in that period, but UMass is the only the only goal in that period. So it's one-one going into the third. Um, not a lot of offense in the third period. I think both teams finished with five shots apiece in the third. So a um, lot of neutral zone play. But um, UMass finds themselves with the puck down low in UNH's zone. Um, I talked about how UNH was kind of flopping a lot in this series. I think that really cost them in this situation. About seven minutes into this game, um, one of their guys takes a spill. Looks like he flopped trying to trying to sell a call. They don't get it. Uh, the puck goes low to high. O'Hara finds himself with the puck right between the faceoff dots with nobody there for a couple seconds. He's able to line one up, take a perfect shot, and he finds the top left corner to give UMass the lead about halfway through. Um, I thought I thought the way UNH was playing in this moment really cost them. Uh, I don't know, like. UMass, like, obviously was doing a great job getting their guys space, but, like, this was an unbelievable amount of space that was created for Cole O'Hara.
1: Yeah, I mean, and I, I think the thing that I like about this was just the fact that we actually finished a chance. You know, yep. like, I've, it feels like in between, you know, like, I mean, honestly, just throughout the whole game, like, we had our fair share of chances, and we just couldn't bury them. Like, we would have two-on-ones, we would have, you know, almost I think at times almost three-on-ones, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And just, like, you know we would get that puck kind of into that slot area where the guys love to shoot from. It seems like we don't really like to shoot from like the face-off dots. We're more of like a slot shooting team. We try and funnel it into that kind of danger zone there. Sometimes it works. Sometimes it doesn't. We had a ton of chances to try and put him in. And it seemed like we just got stuffed every single time, whether it was, you know, a defensive block or if it was just the goalie coming up with a big save happened quite a bit. And like I said, credit to Helston, he was doing his thing, but this was one time, you know, we picked our shot. It was in a fortunate location. You know, it literally doesn't get much better than this, like mid shot, you know, mid slot. I'd say, dare I say even low slot, like just almost right out in front of the net. Perfect forehand shot, top corner. Doesn't get much better than that. Really, really happy to see that go in.
0: Yeah. And uh, if you didn't watch these games, you might hear what we've been saying so far. UMass gets all three points Friday. They're up two to one near the end of the third here on Saturday. Why were these guys in such a bad mood at the start of this episode? Uh, This is where it goes downhill. Uh, again, UMass turtled pretty, pretty early, 10 minutes left. They went into a real defensive type play style. Um, and then two minutes left in this game. Um, Morrow turns the puck over in the defensive zone. Uh, UNH is able to cycle the puck around a bit more. It ends up at the blue line. Uh, A shot gets tossed on net and it gets tipped home by Alex Gagne, who was skating through the crease at the time. He, uh, was coming from behind the net. He skated through the crease. He actually clipped Michael Hrabel's skate on the way by. It caused Michael Hrabel to, uh, his foot to slide forward. He stumbled back. Um, The puck got tipped by Gagne and it went exactly where um, Michael Hrabel's skate was uh, before it had gotten pushed out of the way by Gagne in the crease. So um, UMass challenges the play, obviously, um, especially if you watch the slow motion replay. You can see this is very clearly by definition and just looking at it yourself, making your own interpretation, very clearly goalie interference. Um, his, sta- his skate doesn't move a ton, but the amount of space that it did move was created by Gagne, and the puck ended up missing his skate by like less than an inch if you look at the replay. So they review this one for a long time. Uh, I'm sure if you were watching the, the stream, you think for sure this one's going to get called back. It's game-tying goal. Um, they come out and say that it was a good goal. Uh, inexplicable. The more I watch this replay, the more pissed off that I get of Hockey East. How this can possibly, possible, what the justification, justification could possibly be for this one sticking around? We've had a lot of bad calls over the last week, like week and a half, two weeks. Um, I don't think anyone pisses me off as much as this one because it directly allowed UNH to tie this game. Um, I don't, I don't think anything Hockey East uh, could say to the team. Or publicly that would make me feel good about this one, I, unless it's we're restarting this game from two minutes left because that was such an egregious call. I'm very pissed off. I think you kind of share my sentiment on this one.
1: Can can the rant start now? Or yep. Can we can we officially do like the bell, like ding 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 ding, rant started?
0: Yep. Yeah. Cover this is where the uh, the explicit sign gets put on to the the podcast for those listening. I so I don't think to I'm
1: East media credential ever again after this. Fuck hockey East like i i don't care anymore like you can bleep that out like this this is a monumental joke like i understand real time right yeah that like this is a fast-moving hockey game you make the call on the ice you call that a good goal because you might not see it in real time that's their right to do i honestly prefer that they do that because if you call it a goal on the ice you can say, all right, now you're allowed to challenge it, right? You're not gonna whistle the yep. play dead. You're not gonna, you know, you're not gonna screw with the, the current events of the game. You give everybody a fair shake on the ice as it stands. You call it a good goal, perfectly fine. They're allowed to do that. They should do that. Now it's it's on it's up to you, Mass. Now we got Trachtenberg upstairs. We got everybody looking at this. Everybody has seen what has gone down, right? Everybody has a clear view. Yep. It's on the cameras, it's on everything. We say, All right, let's challenge that there was clearly a person in the crease right we have a, we have clear contact with the goalie the, they, they go into the box they check it out they say all right let's let's look in our little our little you know tv screen here they say all right like are they blind do they literally have some sort of do they have glaucoma like do they do they <laughs> need to go to the doctor i don't understand what what is going through their brains i'm not trying to sound salty i'm not trying to make a big deal out of this but like this this deserves- i am, i am
0: trying to make a big deal out of this Actually, yeah
1: no 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 yeah i agree like they're, they're like i i can't even <laughs> like coherently like explain my thoughts like they're looking at this they see the same things that everybody else is seeing they see contact in the crease with the goalie nobody pushed him in there wasn't even a defenseman within a couple feet of this guy right He Mm -hmm. was clearly cutting through the crease. And if we want to throw this back to the friggin' BC game where, where freaking the goalie was coming out of his crease to make contact with Merck's, right? It's not like Rabble was firmly, he was firmly planted in his crease (laughs) when (laughs) it happened. And then we see contact with his skate. He starts tripping and falling as the puck's going in. What the fuck are these refs thinking that is allowing him to say, Nah, that doesn't fit within the rulebook justification. That's a clean goal. Like, I mean, do, can we check their bank accounts? Can we do something? Do they have an offshore bank account with an offshore betting company overseas? I genuinely think that there is something at play here because there is no way that a functioning, logical human being can see this and say do that them. is a, it's a two, yeah, of them. two of them. We have it's not even I don't was that why there was a five minute review on this because they were arguing with each other trying to figure out which bookie gave the better odds on the game like <laughs> what is going on here like you like like it's just the, the, what you said before Cam like the, we 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 already know like we've heard from people that you know these these coaches have already gotten apologies like Carby's already heard from you know the 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 head official of you know of Hockey East refereeing multiple times in the past two weeks saying that yeah we fucked up and we've gotten screwed over that doesn't fix a damn thing when it's happened two weeks in a row and now we are in my opinion down what are, what are we down now five Hockey East points because we probably should have beaten BC last weekend if we didn't get yeah all right we'll call it all right bare minimum we want to call it an overtime.
0: Well, there's there, there are Hockey East points that are not in our total that we should have right now. It's it's
1: Yeah, I don't know what the quantifying amount is. It is what it is, but we are at least down at the bare minimum a couple, right? <laughs> is that fair to say?
0: Sounds like we're back. Hockey East tried to hack into our yeah. – we're going <laughs> on our rant here trying to stop us, but we can't be stopped. Yeah, this is – you got me, right? You can hear me?
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, no. You're there. I don't know if I actually finished what I was saying though, so go for it. You might have to splice this up and figure yeah. it out. I mean, you know, you know how it is sometimes trying to do this podcast, but I'll I'll end it on the note of this has happened back to back weeks now and these are probably the most clear-cut screw-ups I've seen so far. Cam, I'm going to be honest with you. I'm looking at right now a, a video on Twitter as we're doing this podcast. And sometimes I'll, I'll go on Twitter and I'll just kind of peruse as we do this. Pretty casual podcast that we run here. Mm-hmm. I see a video from the UMass Lowell and Providence game right now where there was a puck sitting in the crease for Providence. A Providence player, like a, a defenseman, was on his stomach, hovered the puck with his hand in the crease, and then brought it into his body for a whistle. They didn't deem it a penalty shot. Wow. They reviewed the play and then they called it a pen and they didn't call it a penalty shot. The re- and so right here, this is a third issue, right, that we're talking about live that has nothing to do with UMass. The, the, like, I, I just, I mean, Hockey East is screwing up all over the place. I don't even know if I can say that this is actual rigging against UMass. I think these refs are just freaking stupid. I don't mm-hmm. think they know their own rule book. I don't think that they can actually make a determination of what constitutes a hockey play and what doesn't at this point. When they get reviews, they get multiple angles, they get every single resource that they need to have available to them and they still can't make the right call. This is an absolute joke. I like I re- we just talked with the, with Chancellor Reyes about us not having to worry about moving hockey conferences. I'm, I'm starting to welcome our Big Ten overlords, man. I think I'm going to be – I think I'm moving over to Michigan. I'll start billeting over with the Lebster family and start talking about – you know, talking with some, with some nice UMass alumni because this is absolutely insane, man. Like, I, I can't deal with this anymore. I don't think I can actually support Hockey East anymore, and I don't even know if I want to actually, like, start going to away games and actually start giving money to other Hockey East-affiliated programs because that's how pissed off I am with this joke of a hockey conference.
0: Yep. Yeah, I'll I'll put a bow on this game real quick, and then we can keep going further on this. Um, obviously, that ties the game. It shouldn't have tied the game. It should should still be two to one UMass with two minutes left and a penalty, mind you, against UNH. UMass should have been going to the power play here. Um, they go to overtime pretty quickly in overtime, just over a minute in. UNH is able to put one home, pretty clear cut chance. Guy with a lot of steam skating towards um skating towards Rabble. Puts one home over his glove. Three to two, UNH takes the overtime win. UMass gets one point. Um, and yeah, it's totally like this play and non goalie interference call is totally responsible for it. I think it's fair to assume that there's a very good chance UMass would have gotten three points in this game. Uh, it's extra infuriating because of what happened at BC. Um, very specifically, a goalie interference call that happened at BC. Uh, if you remember just one week ago, Lucas Mercury skated like slightly into the crease um jacob fowler jumped out of his crease and there was contact made didn't affect the play at all um the puck wasn't in the area it wasn't a goal scoring opportunity or anything like that the refs get the get mercury for the penalty and it leads to bc tying and taking the lead in the game that umass uh had a good chance of winning against the number one team um If you want to go check out, we put a video of the two together, but just the inconsistency to have a goalie interference call when it doesn't affect the play at all, Uh, a a contact play that you see so many times um, by the rule book, technically that one at BC um, is a penalty. I think we could all agree on that, but I also think we could all agree that this happens so much and the ref kind of has to like understand what like, point the game is at and what it means to call a penalty and how how the the contact affects the play and stuff like that. This one there's no there's no wiggle room or interpretation. It's clear cut. Rabble has his skate moved. The puck goes exactly where his skate was goes in the back of the net and ties the game. The rest have the chance to look at it. They have a phenomenal overhead angle to see exactly what happened, how the skate got moved and where the puck went and they don't overturn it. There's it's unacceptable. Um, I, Carvey agrees with us because uh, he never calls out refereeing in the press conference and he was, he was pretty animated in this press conference. I'm actually going to play it. We never play it, but, uh, I, I want you to hear the tone in, in Carville's voice, uh, as he's, as he talks about this play. Uh, I thought that was a really good game by our team. thought we were by far the better team tonight. Um, little parts for our game I wasn't happy about with a lead trying to salt the game away. Uh, but I thought we deserved the win. wasn't even close tonight. A lot of posts. Didn't think we
1: gave up a lot. And then uh, once again, uh, referee, we've been showing all year long. You can't touch the goalie. You can't come through the crease and touch the goalie. We get videos every week. Every single week we get the same video. And it happens tonight, and for some reason it's it's allowed. So real frustrating. Once again, referees. You have been a third-period team all season long, and, and kind of... You know, it didn't go your way tonight. What maybe shook it up in the end? The- what we'll shook it
0: up? Goal the interference. We get that video every week. Can't touch
1: a goal, increase. Every week.
0: So, yeah. Uh, Carvey never talks like that. He's probably going to get fined for that. Um, UMass- you fine. <laughs> <laughs> UMass puts his quote in the, the game recap every week. Uh, and there was no quote this time, obviously, because mm, I wonder why that was kind of the only quotable material. I'm I'm sure he'll get fined. I, I doubt we'll hear about it. But yeah, we have it on good authority that Carvey has gotten an apology from Hockey East for both of these weekends. And like you said, that doesn't mean shit with what happened. UMass uh, right now, I, I believe they're 13th in the pairwise. Um, If they had able to get a win at BC, they were able to get three points against New Hampshire here. We're not even talking about this pairwise situation. I think we're pretty firmly in if UMass can take care of business and not have to deal with these shit calls that they're getting on back-to-back weeks. That's why this is so infuriating. Uh, I can see how from other schools it makes us out to be crybabies. Uh, They don't have the full context. They don't don't watch every second of every UMass game like we do every week. But um, if you're a UMass hockey fan, if You're just a hockey fan in general. You're well within your right to be pissed off about these these last couple weeks. It's unacceptable.
1: I think what I'm going to do as this might go over terribly, this might go over well. You might want to cut this out, Cam. But I think I I might ask Harvey at some point how much he got he got fined, and depending on how much it ended up being, if he tells me, I might make a donation matching that amount to some sort of like foundation for the blind in the referee's <laughs> honor. I don't I don't know if that's like allowed I might get canceled for that it's coming from a good place it's like I don't know man it's it's an absolute shame that it's even getting to this point like I shouldn't even have to say that <laughs> you know like the fact that yeah. those words were uttered on this podcast is pretty despicable <laughs> like just the fact that there was actual context leading up to this point is nuts but yeah I I just I don't think that like we we It's so easy for me as a person to just look at what went down this weekend and just become apathetic and just laugh it off and just say, all right, yep, Hockey East is going to Hockey East. I couldn't be more, like, impassioned and, like, emboldened right now to actually do something about it, and that's that's the really infuriating part is, like, after last week, I tried to do my own research, and I tried to ask people, like, people that are, like, in the know in, like, the college hockey space – I asked them basically, like, is there some sort of, like, contact page or some sort of, like, way to either contact, like, the head of refereeing or, like, contact a commissioner directly? Like, there needs to be, like, a contact us page at Hockey East that just says, like, hey, you know, even just give us an email. I will write the most well-worded, kind, polite email, right, without using any profanity, any coarse language. I will keep it the most high-character email that you can think of. And I just want to ask for the most clear cut, simple explanation as to why those those calls were made the way that they were in both the BC and the UNH series. If if you if if I can be provided a clear cut, you know, straight up concise explanation, I will accept that if it ends up being correct. You know what I mean? If I get back an email that just says, Hey, we fucked up. You're well within your right to write that, but that is still not acceptable because that doesn't fix anything that happened previously. You know what I mean? Like, we're not going to get pairwise points. Like, literally our postseason future, not even ours. I'm taking us fans out of the equation. These freaking student athletes, you know what I mean? That they pour their heart and soul, their lives into this sport. They've been playing hockey since, what, four or five years old? Yeah. And they've been playing for 15-plus years now, minimum, to get to where they are right now, and for it to be potentially ripped away from all of their hard work and achievements because of two people that could probably get their hockey credentialed in a couple of years, that is an absolute joke. There needs to be a better vetting process for these referees. There needs to be, honestly, better incentives to get better referees. If they're underpaid, because I'm pretty sure most of these guys have day jobs, I'm not fully blaming them. You know what I mean? They – they don't, it's not like there's like a dedicated like hockey ref school. Like, we need to have like full time refs. Like, I was talking to somebody last night. They were telling me that SEC football referees have weekly performance reviews. Like, wow. I understand that SEC referees, like, the SEC is a completely different beast from Hockey East. They get way more funding, way more eyes on the sport. I get that. But there needs to be some level of accountability where you can say, like, it sounds like right now Hockey East is freaking poverty. Like, they can't even get. A legitimate crop of referees to rotate every now and then they're literally just getting whatever they can get because there's clearly not enough refs in the sport i don't know what the issue is maybe i'm highlighting a much bigger picture here you know i'm not a much bigger issue that's not being talked about but to see student athletes livelihoods and well-beings getting fucked over like this is absolutely atrocious and something needs to change like i'm hoping that whoever's listening to this right now we can work out some sort of, you know, like action plan to get this figured out because for this to just happen and have no action get taken place because of it would be an absolute travesty. I don't know if I got to be the guy to spearhead this, but something needs to change and I'm willing to do it. If that's what it takes, like, all right, rant over,
0: but I'm, <laughs> I'm, pissed. I'm pissed. Yeah. If, if UMass misses the NCAA tournament by one pairwise spot, I'm genuinely going to be sick, not just for myself, uh, of course for all the student athletes who who don't deserve that um i think i think umass has proved that they're a tournament team this year uh, actually I'll, I'll wait i'll wait until the Lowell series gets finished to say that but uh yeah. if assuming that we can get the job done against Lowell, they deserve to be a tournament team and it's going to be tight because of these situations and it's 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 sickening to to think about um you can't call yourselves the number one conference in the country with this going on. We hear time and time again from other schools in um, other conferences that uh, hockey East refereeing is far worse than, than the standard that they have in their conference. So um, hockey East is constantly on their high horse saying that they have the best refereeing. They had two referees that got the chance to ref the national championship game in Boston two years ago. I think that's a big calling card for the conference that they, that they were able to, to, to have that honor, but, uh yeah like you said it's it's sickening just that the like big consequential moments are being put in the hands of these guys that don't exactly know what they're doing and, and i'm no conspiracy theorist but at this point it i wouldn't be overly shocked if there was something going behind the scenes just with how frequently this has gone against umass not just this season but in the last few years so i i don't know maybe it has something to do with UMass possibly kicking a Boston school out West for the national tournament. If UMass is the, is the four seed they're automatically going to be in Springfield and they will not let a number one seed from hockey East play UMass in the first round. So uh, most likely it would be BU getting shipped out West somewhere. Um, I don't know if that's to play. I don't know if it's referees standing with the Boston schools cause they want to ref the bean pot. Um, I, I hate that. I have to think like this, but it's, I, I can't lie it's it's crossed my mind after all that's transpired in the last two weeks
1: my 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 final message and I know damn well that you know none none of the commissioners or head of officials are listening to this but if by some grace of God you're hearing this right now if you want to claim that you're the best hockey you know you're the best collegiate hockey conference in America prove it right mm-hmm. do better don't like I'm not seeing NCHC refs or you know Atlantic hockey refs or you know you name it I'm not seeing them getting blasted on Twitter on a damn near, you know, weekendly basis that they are blowing calls left and right and literally screwing over close games for other teams. I'm not seeing that. And I follow quite a bit of, of collegiate hockey personnel on my Twitter and Instagram. I'm not seeing any of that. So the fact that this is from what I'm seeing so far, a mainly localized hockey East related issue is an absolute shame and somebody needs to figure it the hell out. Like it's okay. clearly on the commissioner. It's clearly on you know the director of officials. I think it's Brian Murphy. You know, like he he's the guy that's honestly you know I think he got hired back in 2022. He's a former NHL referee, former and, former UNH
0: graduate, I might add.
1: That'll that'll for yeah. I'm pretty sure the commissioner is also UNH yep. grad. Like yep. I mean, it's, dude, there's just so much evidence adding up that this is an absolute joke. So. We we can move on. I feel like we're kind of beating a dead horse here. Yep. Like it's 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 a freaking joke. I I pray that this doesn't happen. I mean, granted, it's two UMass schools against each other, so they're probably wondering, oh crap, who do I give the calls to in this one when both UMass schools are freaking, you know, on the are, are you know in the middle of playing tonight? So who the hell knows what's gonna happen there? I'm wondering what's gonna happen in the national championship. Or like just like in the hockey playoffs, I should say. Yeah. You know, you got like BC versus B U. They're sitting there like, who do I give calls to? What do I do? They're both Boston <laughs> schools. Oh no. Like it's a, I feel like their heads are gonna explode on the ice, dude. They're not gonna know what to do. They're gonna brain's gonna start short circuiting, they're gonna pass out on the ice. So yeah, no, this sucks, dude. But yeah, we can move on now. I feel like I've actually finally said
0: my piece. Yep. Yeah, yeah. One one last thought when I was passing the T D garden on the way home last night. I had the thought, how sweet it would be, and how massive of an fu it would be to Hockey East and all the teams in the conference if UMass can win the Hockey East tournament. This it's this not going to happen.
1: There's no way the refs are going <laughs> to let that happen. Yeah, but dude, I, I think the refs would literally put on a pair of goalie goalie, you know, gear and then freaking <laughs> go inside of the net for you know for the other team and make sure that they're personally blocking shots for whatever yeah. Boston
0: school we're playing against. It's yeah, it's joke. bad. It's bad. We'll we'll move on. Let's go to our awards. Um, first award that we'd like to give out CCC Carvel's character and compete award. Um, I don't know if this guy's ever gotten one before, but we're happy to give it to him. Cole O'Hara. He had an assist in game one, really pretty pass to Jack Musa. He didn't have to pass it. He could take in the shot cause there was nobody in front of him. Beautiful pass. Got the assist two goals in game two. I thought he looked great. Um, especially with controlling the puck, uh, creating plays, stuff like that. So three point weekend for him. Love to see it and like we like we said earlier, it'd be great if he can uh continue this pace and keep picking it up as we go towards the playoffs to be a nice not a not addition, but just like improvement to our offense as we get going here.
1: Yeah, I mean getting getting two goals will definitely help you out for getting a ccc I mean, he was he was the reason why we should have won that second game. (laughs) Um, but yeah, he was obviously a really, really huge part. And I mean, it definitely helps a little bit when I feel like he hasn't gone to CCC yet. You know, I mean, we're always trying to spread out that award whenever possible. You know, when it was a guy that, you know, has definitely picked it up over, over, you know, kind of the the course of the season. I feel like that's something that we got to highlight. So super happy to see him succeed. I'm really hoping that he kind of makes a big jump, you know, bare minimum towards the end of the season. But really, I think in the offseason, because I want to see him prosper. You know what I mean? Like he has, I think he was a fourth round pick to uh, uh, Nashville. And, you know, we know that fourth round picks in Nashville tend to do pretty well. I mean, Mark Del Geisel was a huge freaking contributor here. So definitely, you know, if O'Hara can kind of, or O'Hara, I keep saying O'Hara. I think it's actually O'Hara. Like everybody keeps saying that. I use him interchangeably, but regardless, really want to see him do well. I think he has all the potential in the world. And to see him realize that would make me feel so much better. You know, I want to see everybody at UMass succeed, but I think I think he's kind of the main guy on my radar that I want to see make a big jump right now.
0: Yeah, for sure. So good job uh kolahara our next award it's a good try umass um the player that we think can can do a little bit better the next time out there um we're giving it to Scott Morrow this time he hasn't gotten many this season so um which is a he, good he sign. was due he was due yeah which is a good yeah. sign but um he gets it here he had no points um he's was almost a point per game so it's kind of bad when he doesn't score for us we're not we're not scoring a lot if he's not on the score sheet um he had a penalty in each game uh, he had a really bad turnover, which led to the, the goal that shouldn't have been a goal. But um, it did count, so he was responsible for that. So uh, not a not a great series from him. I'm I'm hoping he can bounce back and really pad his stats against Lowell next week.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's going to happen eventually, right? Like, nobody's ever going to be perfect. Like, this definitely wasn't his best series, but, I mean, it wasn't god-awful. You know what I mean? I think yeah. just by his standards. You know what I mean? Like, uh, it, the fact that, you know, you not having any points in a weekend – is you know that's clearly a detriment when your expectation is to get a lot more than right that, you know what i mean like if some if if a you know a big time defensive defenseman doesn't get any points in a weekend nobody bats an eye but if it's a guy like scott morrow who has these lofty expectations and we know what he's capable of you know we're, we're gonna we're gonna you know say something when you know he doesn't live up to those lofty expectations but right you know it, it's not like this was like a death tier weekend for him you know what i mean like it wasn't the end of the world for him. He's gonna bounce back. We know he does. He was a little bit of a hothead. I feel like this weekend, you know, he does tend to play with a bit of passion. We definitely saw that in Lake Placid. He yeah. uh, he he can get a little bit crazy sometimes. I feel like he was teetering on that edge this weekend, especially in that second game. Like he he was starting to, you know, play physical, maybe maybe a bit more reckless. I feel like was the term, but yeah, for him to get burned, you know, on that on that goal, it sucks. Considering it shouldn't have counted, but, you know, we've we've already beaten that horse to death and then some. So I won't go back to that. But, yeah, it's unfortunate, but it is what it is for him.
0: Yep. And uh, I have faith that he'll bounce back, especially against Lowell next weekend. All right. What do you want to you want to give your award first
1: here? Your customer? All right. Let's do it. So it's somebody that we've already mentioned on the podcast before. I'm calling this the fitting return award, and I'm giving it to Lucas Vanderboys. I've already been gushing about him earlier in this episode. I love the kid to death. It's definitely a fitting return for him. He comes back as an extra skater. I think he took four shifts. He had one face off draw, one face off win. That's what he brings to the table, ladies and gentlemen. He knows what he does in the face off dot. I think there was a viral video that went out like a month or two ago where he was taking face offs in training and he was doing them with the butt end of his stick. Like, and you know, that just shows the level of precision that he has. Like, he's a master of his craft. Having a face off specialist on your team is friggin' monumental you know what i mean and i am praying that he's back to full fitness and we can actually slot him in on that fourth line again because i don't hate liam gorman i feel like liam gorman actually had one of his better series this past weekend he looked pretty damn good in both games i'd say didn't score or anything but he had a couple chances he made some really really smart zone entries he had some nice moves but if, if I have to pick somebody, you know, I feel like Gorman's probably coming out, and I would love to see Vanderboy's boys come back in. I mean, he's been such a huge contributor to this team. He had himself a fitting return for sure, and I'm hoping that he can kind of, you know, expand upon that a little bit more as the season kind of comes on and he becomes progressively more and more healthy.
0: Yeah, I don't, I don't think I have anything else to add there. I'm happy to see him back, and I hope he plays a nice big role going down the stretch here. Yes,
1: sir. What do we got for you, Cam?
0: All right, I am giving the From the Grave Award um, this one's not going to a player. It's going to a stick. Lyndon Alger's stick. Uh, he had lost it in the second period at one point. It was in uh UMass's defensive zone. Um, it was there for a while. Play went on for for a good couple minutes at one stretch. Uh UNH had a pretty clear cut two-on-one zone entry, and the puck actually hit Lyndon Alger's stick on the entry, they, uh made the guy fumble it. Uh UMass is able to pounce on the puck and take it over uh a funny moment but when you actually think about it could have been easily unh taking the lead again in the second period so great job from alger stick uh it was funny and very useful for umass in the moment
1: yeah i mean it was kind of funny like i think that that stick was on there for like a good like minute or so and i was sitting there looking at it i'm like dude imagine if something happens with that like that would be pretty funny and then it ends up happening and i went absolutely ballistic like it was hilarious to see like i mean you always kind of look at that. Like you see like usually I feel like the refs pick those up. They like, try like, to. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I guess like, I mean the, the puck was probably moving in a weird way and you know, they just couldn't get around to it, but yeah, having that puck or the the stick just kind of get left over there. I mean, definitely a huge, a huge benefit, you know, to us, but I don't really think it actually like made a massive difference in the green. Screen. I think it did stop a rush at one point. Like it was a decent zone yeah. entry from UNH. And I mean, that was really, really cool, but yeah, super, super weird event overall. And I mean, I feel like we haven't done too many weird awards recently, so I feel like this is a really good one. Like I remember when that happened, me and you looked at each other and we're like, all right, that's a custom right there. Like We we knew right then and there, so that was a fun one. Yeah, that was a fun one for sure.
0: All right, what do you say we uh, we take a look at the rest of the conference? Let's get it. All right, so not a ton of action on the Hockey East slate this week. Obviously, we just covered at length UMass and, and UNH's home and home. Uh, Northeastern went up to Maine for two games. Maine took the first one, five to one. Northeastern took the second one four nothing. Maine is slipping and sliding right now. They should Sheesh. be good. In, they should be good in terms of getting into the tournament, but they are not playing their best hockey right now. Uh, BU played a home at home with UConn. BU won the first game six to one and the second game six to nothing as you'd expect. Um, and then BC had hosted Vermont for two games. BC won the first game seven to one. And they won the second game four to two. I think they had a couple of uh, couple of um, shorthanded goals in that game, which yep. is SBC for you, number one team in the country. And then Providence went to Lowell for one game and they squeaked away with a two to one victory. Um, game was a lot closer than I assume they hoped it was, but they were able to get the victory. So uh some interesting action there. I think I think Maine losing four-nothing is probably the biggest one to talk about.
1: Yeah, I mean like that, that kind of has massive implications for, you know, for us, doesn't it? Like yep. absolutely huge that, you know, Maine kind of drops a couple points there, you know, that's huge. I mean, we could technically, I think slide up in the third. I'm we're only, assuming, two, we're only uh, three points behind Maine right now. So yeah. That's Yeah. And I mean, we have the opportunity to steal six on them, you know what I mean? In the final series of the yep. season. So, I mean, I feel like before, like we were looking at that main series and we're like, we're playing two games at Alphon. We're, for lack of a better term, I mean, we've already slapped the explicit sticker, so we were fucked, in our opinion. You know what I mean? Like, but at this point, I don't know, man. You know, like we're we're definitely at the point where, you know, we we come in, you know, we 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 get the job done against against Lowell, and then we we could take care of business against a really struggling main team. So, you know, it's not like we looked particularly bad in the first main game we played against them. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. it was one flute goal earlier on in the in the game, and then they just kind of turtled the rest of the game and got lucky. So. It is what it is. I really do think that we have a good shot. We'll we'll see, man. You know, I, I definitely think that was the big one to talk about, and I think it really, really bodes poorly for Maine in the future.
0: Yeah, and uh, the situation that UMass finds itself in right now, BC and BU, um, it's already mathematically impossible to catch them. They're going to be uh, one and two this year. Um, Maine, Providence, and UMass, and Nor- New Hampshire right now, um, they all have 20 games played. Maine has 35 points. Providence has 33. UMass has 32, and New Hampshire has 30. Um, It's anybody's three, four, five, and six seeds as we go into the last four games here. UMass has two against Lowell, which they should be able to get six points out of. It's an, I'm going to say, a grave disappointment if they don't get six points, and then anything could happen with that main series, especially with how they're playing. But uh, Providence especially is the team to watch here down the stretch. They have two games, home and home with Merrimack. Uh, a home game against BU and a home game with Northeastern. Uh, so, like, pretty tough schedule. That BU game is the obviously the, the toughest obstacle there. So, UMass has a path to get to the three seed. They could also very well be the six seed. Um, they they could be lower than that if everything works out. But I think that's kind of where we're expecting things to lie. So, um, definitely going to be scoreboard watching the next couple weeks. It's it's pretty important for the pairwise for the hockey East standings. If the season ended today, UMass would get a first-round bye, but their first game would be a road game in the quarterfinals at Providence. They've won there this year, but that's still no small task um, going up down there and, and playing a game. So uh, a lot could happen. You like your chances when you get two against Lowell, but uh, it's it's turned into a situation where we really got to take care of business in Lowell and in Maine now. So a lot of scoreboard watching, a lot of a lot of praying, a lot of hoping, but uh, the path is there to get the three seed which is the ultimate goal right now.
1: It's like, it, it feels weird. Cause it's like, usually like the type of thing that I'd say here is control what you can, can control. You know,
0: yep.
1: it doesn't matter what the hell we can control at this point. If we just, if everything else goes against us, you know what I mean? When it comes yeah. to refs and stuff like that, like, that's the one thing that I hate it. Like I, one of my favorite things that Carvey says is the, the whole, you know, you get what you deserve quote. I love that to death. I feel like it's something that, you know, people should, model their lives after it you know in theory it is a damn good quote when you look at what's happened these past two weekends can you really truly believe that like is that something like like do you really think that people actually get what they deserve when you have other people that are in positions of power that can just completely ruin all of your progress like that's that's what really gets me and that's like I'm starting to wonder like what even is like a like a favorable playoff matchup at this point is it like just anything but a but a Boston team because clearly that's not the case if UNH is getting good calls too like yeah. like what are we are we just doomed do we just give up on the season like what the hell are we meant to do here like I know this sounds like such like a doomer mindset, but it's like genuinely if you look at what's been happening, what else are we meant to think like it's not like I'm pulling these stats out of my ass like we've all seen it. So I don't, I don't really know, you know, kind of what the, what the school of thought here is, but I mean, you know, we'll obviously see how it shakes out. That's, that's the beauty of collegiate hockey, but I'm just praying, man. I just want a nice clean series, you know, for the rest of the season, like, you know, one, you know, it's like, it's like the fool me once, you know, shame on me, you know, fool me twice thing. If we get fooled a third time on some BS like this, it's, it's over. You know what I mean? Like, I'm hoping that like, you know, if, I don't care if the, you know, if the director of, you know, if Brian Murphy has to freaking talk to these refs, you know, before every UMass game and just say, please, for the love of God, just take some heat off my back and just be normal. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I don't know what it's going to, you know, maybe that bodes well for us. Maybe we're going to start getting insanely favorable calls because they feel bad. I don't know anymore, but, and as long as we're not getting actively screwed over, I like our chances in basically every game that we play because we are a damn good hockey team and we deserve to show that we haven't been able to show that
0: these past two weeks and it's a goddamn yeah. shame. Yeah, we could pretty securely be in the in the 3 seed right now had all of that not gone down the last few weeks but it is what it is. You got to outplay your opponent and then you got to play a little step higher than that um even down the stretch to to get it done but i think this team's capable. Uh we'll have to see how it all plays out. All right. So uh you want to you want to talk about our night up in New Hampshire before we before we turn the page to next weekend? Oh, what the clown circus show in the in the row in front of us yeah sure. Yeah. let's talk about it yeah so i'll I'll kind of set the scene for everybody um we were fourth row behind the net at northeast at uh not northeastern new hampshire um a different dump <laughs> yep a crew of eight guys i think it was four dads and then four college-age sons uh all in front of us weren't very friendly or cordial didn't say anything to us we always keep to ourselves on the road too we don't want to start anything um we like we do we cheer for our team we don't get in anybody's face we keep to our own like i said um clap cheer for the team cheer for the boys that's what we're here for um we know they can feel it on the ice so uh we try to just be there for them um when, each time uh, new hampshire scored in this game they would stand up put hands in our face point fingers in our face clap in our face laugh at us it was immediate um if, if you watch the highlights of the goals that were scored uh, on the end that uh, UNH was shooting on twice, so they were shooting there in the first and third. You could actually see that group stand up and immediately turn around to look at us after each goal that UNH scored. They're not looking on the ice or celebrating the team. They're they're looking at us. We don't respond. We we never do. We we take it. We just got scored on. We stay quiet. We keep our faces forward. Um, after the overtime goal, the game winner. Uh, it was pretty egregious, the clapping in our face, the laughing and stuff like that. We're just not in our heads, obviously pissed off with what had just occurred. Um, but not taking it out on them, not saying anything. They try to, uh, to shake our hands after all is said and done a couple minutes later, saying good game. We're like, no, like, screw you guys. Like, you made it personal. Just leave. Like, we don't want to shake your hand. Um, one of the dads takes it really personal, um, threatens Evan's life at one point. Um, because Evan told his son to fuck off and yeah, I, mean,
1: I, I can talk about this part because yeah. there, there's actually, there's additional context that makes it even worse for them. I don't know yeah. if you heard it. So they were walking up the stairs. So like from where we were sitting, right? Like we're right next to the staircase. So I'm like the last possible seat in the row that we're sitting. I'm like, I'll like seat one, you know, row D or whatever. And cause I always sit to the right of view at games, superstition yep. thing. And uh, so they're walking up the staircase, and they're looking at me and you, and they're like, "Do you guys suck your own dicks or something?" Like they were just like they said something like super rude and like oh. out of nowhere, like out of left field. Yeah, I didn't so, even you hear guys? that. Yeah, no. And I I looked at the kid and I was like, "Dude, you can fuck off." Like I just straight up, like yep. just I I had had enough. Like I my self control had hit a peak. You know what I mean? Like know, let me get in- let me get
0: some context to these guys. They were okay. uh, they had yeah. snuck in nips. Uh, they were drinking pretty heavily during this game on alcohol that they snuck in, and they were uh putting what are those packs called in their lips? The, yeah, they were
1: ripping zins the whole yeah. time, dude. Yeah, <laughs> so
0: that gives you a little context on these fellas, but like, yeah, keep going.
1: so yeah, so they were just doing like the total, like, you know, frat bro, like, you know, like, and it, like, just after literally getting in my face, like, their fists were essentially in my face, trying to get like fist bumps and handshakes and stuff. And, at one, I was literally just like, dude, you can fuck off, like, just it's yeah. you know. It, wasn't loud, wasn't aggressive. I didn't stand up. It was just a simple chirp, You know what I mean? Just go about your way without, you know, just very simple, clean cut, fuck off. <laughs> and then the one of the kids, dad clearly took exception gets right up in my face. Right. And he's like, I will fucking kill you. Like, don't ever speak to me or my son like that ever again. I will fuck you up. Like he was throwing every profanity out in the book trying to bait you to say it again yeah yeah Yeah. he was trying to bait me and i was like dude the only thing that you're gonna kill is you know if you're gonna kill me it's gonna be with your breath bro like it was that (laughs) bad like i was sitting there i was like cracking up internally because i know this geriatric drunk idiot is out here in my in my face trying to start something i'm not here to start stuff but i'm here to finish it you know what i mean like if Mm. he was gonna swing on me it was gonna be over for him but i knew that we were outnumbered it was like what eight to three yeah like and i'm trying to take the high character approach you know what i mean like i'm not gonna start swinging on this guy thinking i might kill him because the only material that's around us right here is concrete because this place is a brutalist dump remind you (laughs) you know what i mean like it was an absolute clown show all around so if your main intention to go to a hockey game is to get drunk rile people up and goad them into fighting you you need to get a life and you need to get a hobby and something needs to change within your life because you're clearly a sad, upset human being. And this doesn't extend to all you and fans, don't get me wrong. Like, there was a couple people that checked up on us after the fact. They were cool. They were chill. They, oddly enough, like, one of the guys I was, like, jokingly complaining about early in the game ended up being the nicest guy possible. But yeah. like, he was, like, checking up on us after the fact. He was like, oh, yeah, by the way, I'm from Mass. Like, I'm cool. So, like, it was, it was you know after those guys left, like the one, like one of the kids like flicked my hat off my head, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. which technically was touching me at that point. I could have swung on him. I think if I wanted to, but I was like, no, I'm not doing that. Like, that's not the right thing to do, but it was a clown show all around. I literally, that was the worst experience I had ever had at a game. And the fact that we even have to talk about it right now is genuinely nuts because yeah. that's how like, it's just like, who the hell are you, man? You know what like, I always try to live my life by the idea of just like being normal, and they they were not normal by any stretch of the yeah. imagination. And like I don't know, man, it was just an absolute clown show all around. Yeah, and I don't
0: know, I don't know if you noticed it, but as they were walking up the stairs, I don't know if it was them or uh, another group of fans higher up in the section uh, threw a drink at us. Uh, it it barely missed my fiance's head, like by yeah. inches. Um, <laughs> if if it had hit Classless. her. If it had hit her, uh, it would have been a different scene, also. But um, yeah, not easily the worst opportunity or not opportunity, the worst experience I've had at a at a game that I've ever gone to. A uh, bunch of clowns, no security, mind you. Yeah, no, nothing, nothing, like, nothing. Like even nobody check on us afterwards or anything yeah. either. But no,
1: the ushers did absolutely nothing. Security did absolutely nothing. Clearly, security was an absolute joke. If people were coming in with you know five, six nips apiece. you yeah. know, like. I mean, granted, we we've had our fair share about complaints at the Mullins Center. You gotta find a balance in between the two. I feel like Mullins is a freaking TSA fest, but then Whitmore is like literally
0: Wallace. Like,
1: yeah, it's like the friggin' Wild West in there. Yeah. So I mean you gotta find like a decent midpoint between the two. And clearly neither, you know, neither group has found it yet. I'm not here to crap on Mullins, but like good lord, man. Hockey security is a friggin' joke.
0: Yeah, and uh if you're Keep this in mind if you're thinking about going to, to Whitmore this year or, or any time in the future. I, I wouldn't suggest bringing your kids if this is the type of people that, that go to these games either. Don't bring uh, anybody. <laughs> yeah, not, not a great look for them. Uh, I will not be going back there for the foreseeable future. I have no interest in going back to that dump. So that's our that's our story. Uh, we we keep it clean. We go to so many road games, almost every single one. So we never, we never try to start anything. Um, it was very – strange situation for us to be in but just just keep that in mind if you go up to to new hampshire for a game yeah
1: i mean and i'm not gonna call myself a saint you know what i mean like i like to get into like friendly banter with you know with maybe not friendly sometimes it'll be a little not not aggressive banter but assertive banter you know what i mean like like the yukon game that we might be like somebody was like oh how many championships do you have and i just go hey we got one more than you in hockey you know like yeah simple stuff like that i'm not up there in somebody's face yelling at them threatening to take their life you know what i mean like there's a huge difference between keeping it about the product on the ice and then going for personal human attacks on somebody like yeah it's it like there, there's a massive difference i i absolutely love like rowdy student sections like Merrimax is a pretty good example i feel like sometimes they'll get a little bit rowdy but they tend to keep it clean you know what i mean like sometimes you'll have your oddball every now and then but they'll just give you the class of like oh you're a clown like umass fans suck or whatever that's fine you know what i mean like you can tell me that i suck but don't threaten to kill me. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I have a pretty clear cut line on what's allowed, and I feel like that's not a crazy line to not be able to cross. So, yeah. I don't know, man. Like, I I definitely think that, uh, you know, there's definitely a bad group of UNH fans. I I wish the worst upon them. I'm not taking the high road in this in in this in this case. If if you guys want to call me low character for not wishing these guys a good day, then so be it. But those guys were a group of clowns. I hope they join the circus and they never come back to UNH ever again. I hope they get banned if I'm being honest with you, but we'll see how that goes.
0: Yeah. But yeah, that's, that's what happened. Uh, Let's, let's turn the page to to next weekend. All right.
1: Let's talk about Lowell.
0: All right. Yeah. So two series left home and home with Lowell is the next one. Um, We're just going to, going to be frank about it. If UMass doesn't sweep this series, it's an extreme disappointment. Um, Lowell is bad. They're eight, 19 and four in conference they're 4-13 and 3, easily last place in hockey east, 2-9 and 3 at home, 5-9 and 1 on the road. I'm looking through their schedule, by far their best win this season has been against Northeastern, who's not even ranked right now. So they have not had the ability to beat a ranked team this year. Um their their stats are are pretty damn bad. They score two point two goals per game. They give goals. up three point two goals per game. I think uh, Nathan Strauss, our buddy, gave a gave us a stat that they have scored less goals than everybody except for three teams in the country. Um, yeah, one
1: of them Stonehill.
0: <laughs> yeah, so which doesn't even count. Two point two goals for, three point two goals against. Uh, their power play has been bad. It's thirteen percent um they're they're even split on face off so whatever but this is a team that we absolutely need to sweep there hasn't been a must sweep as dire as this one even alaska anchorage the cut the the stakes weren't as high um yeah they have to get the job done and we will be very disappointed if they don't that's there's there's no world in which we can't be
1: i mean the only thing that i'm kind of worried about here is like lowell's like imagine like a starving dog if you will right that hasn't yeah. been fed in a while i'm not trying to have like a peter commercial pop up in the middle of this <laughs> like you know what i mean like i want in the arms of the angel to start playing but like imagine a really really hungry rabbit dog they have nothing left in their life to fight for they have no postseason hopes they have nothing but just the thing that's in front of them they just want to ruin our weekend that's the like potentially ruin our, ruin our po- yeah they want to yeah. ruin everything it's a rivalry game, you know, it's a classic little brother, you know, thing, you know, the whole thought process behind that. We, we cannot let them rain on our parade. It's as simple as that. We have to go there, get a job done and do it to the best of our ability. Like if, if, if this for lack of a better term, garbage team (laughs) is what is going to ruin our postseason hopes then I, I can forget about everything that's happened in the past couple of weeks. We didn't deserve to make the postseason anyway. You know what I mean? Yep. If we can't, if we can't sweep this team, it's over. So yeah, we got to get the job done. This team's going to be hungry. Don't get me wrong. They have, you know, nothing to play for, but they have all the game, you know what I mean? So if they can get it done against us, that's going to be a huge morale boost for their frankly crap season. So yep. Let's let's hope that you know they can't play spoiler for us. We just got to focus on you know, like I said, the things that we can control, barring refs, and just you know, hope that we can play our our best hockey and you know, hope that the result goes our way.
0: Yep, yeah, that's the only concerning part. This is their national championship. This, weekend. yeah, exactly. Um, so they have that for them. Their goaltending, uh, it's not great. If you remember, old friend There's, Luke
1: there, Luke yep.
0: uh, he's been splitting time with Henry Welsh, who's been there for a couple of years uh pavisic's numbers are dreadful this season uh well yeah well pavisic is well under 900 save percentage almost four goals a game uh henry welsh is decent a 910 save percentage 2.38 goals per game so um i'd expect to see him at least one possibly both games but the way they have used both guys it looks like they'll probably give each guy a game we'll have to see um but yeah not not impressed that much by their goaltending uh they they don't have offensive prowess. Obviously, they're 2.2 goals per game. Nobody really stands out. Uh Scout Truman has 21 points that leads the team, a lot of assists. So um none of the numbers drop jump off the page again, uh team wise, individual wise, got to get the job done. You think they give Pav the, the start at Mullins? That would be interesting. He's he, have a lot say- to play for too, a little revenge game
1: let's be honest i mean dude as bad as he's been on Lowell, i mean everybody kind of has their opinion on like how he was last season i mean the stats were decent for umass you know you yeah, can't deny that at. like like he he clearly knows how to play in mullins so i don't know if it's the bigger ice that helps him i don't know if it's just gonna be like a weird like little morale thing for him but yeah i don't know if i don't know if he wants to you know get his revenge because i mean he clearly you know transferred out for a reason you know like he was getting he was getting a good amount of game time there it you know it seemed like he would have been the guy there for a little bit so Clearly something must have happened. I don't know if he has like a vendetta against UMass. I mean, he went to their bitter rivals. So who knows? But yeah, well, you know, maybe maybe it won't be to the same level as, you know, a Ryan Leonard warm welcome back. But, you know, let, let's see what type of warm welcome we can give uh, Pavisage back, assuming he plays up at UMass. So we'll uh, I'm going to see how I'm, it goes.
0: I'm looking at his game log. I think there might be a chance that he doesn't play. He, he hasn't played in, since the end of January. So, oh, okay, that'll do it. So he's just been he's been shut down essentially. Yeah, he gave up. Oh my gosh. Okay. Oh, so let's hear it. Let's starting hear it. starting um the for his first start of 2024 uh against Omaha. Uh in order, he's given up four, 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 seven, four, and four. Yeah, I'm looking at that right now. Holy
1: mo- dude, the only game that they won in that stretch was against Harvard, and that's because they dropped seven
0: on him. <laughs> and Harvard is awful this season. <laughs> holy so that's 27 goals in six games that he's given up and he hasn't started since so
1: yeah that's pretty trash so,
0: so I yeah know, look, man. look for welsh to get both games be surprised hey maybe maybe since their season's over they're not really fighting for much they do slip him in there for one game we'll see that'd be pretty fun to, to score a bunch on him but yeah gotta get the job done no other way to put it um we need to be recording at this time next week saying uh, UMass got six points and they're looking to steal the third spot away from Maine next weekend. A hundred percent, dude. Completely agree. All right. So I think that is everything we had. Did you have anything else that you wanted to add? I know this is a long one. Dude, my throat's sore.
1: Cause I've been talking so much. So this is a <laughs> long one and this was an angry one. So yep. yeah, I think, I think my voice is pretty shot. I'll be honest. I think I'm ready to go.
0: Yep. Hopefully better vibes next time out there, but if you made it this far. Thank you guys yeah. so much. Thank you guys so much for listening. We, we really appreciate the support from you guys for sure um a lot more fun content coming up hopefully we'll make a deep run we'll be able to, to have a lot of fun episodes like this so uh thank you guys for listening yet again go umass
1: go umass take care everybody fuck you age fuck hockey east
0: explicit episode